What the fuck is up, people? This is Ron Sense. This is Ron. All right. As promised, we are getting some Escape from Tarkov talk out there. I'll do a separate one on New World at a later time. I think I want to... When I'm talking about video games, I think for the most part, I probably want to keep it a singular game-centric. Um, I'm just... I'm testing that out as a, an idea here just because it feels like maybe... If I do too many games at once, like people who are only interested in one may not, it, like unless I maybe added timestamps. But I think that if like for some reason, you know, someone only was interested in Escape from Tarkov, but they saw that I was also going to talk about like New World and League of Legends and you know whatever else, um, Battlefield or something like that, uh, that perhaps that would like turn people off from watching. So I'm going to try and maybe do these episodes where it's like. I only talk about one at a time and see if maybe that kind of has a better feel to it. Uh, if you listen, please, and and you care about this uh, podcast at all or, you know, want to support me or whatever, please give me some feedback on things that I can improve on, ways that you think I can do it. Uh, topics, we certainly can give in topics. Um I know a lot of you all are down or, or, you know, probably chomping at the bit a little bit for me to get another science episode in. Uh, like I said before, uh, I am probably going to go with like the quantum physics space travel route. Uh, the big thing is that it, it does take a lot of um, preparation work on my end. I have a couple of I have some of my quantum physics stuff back from college. I have some new textbooks um, that I've I've purchased a while back. And now it's just a matter of the taking the time to kind of go through them and try and then uh, sort of translate them into a more palatable product, I guess. So that that's stuff that is still on the horizon. I am trying to get more consistent at this stuff. I mean, so last week we um, ripped up our old kitchen. I had to hammer out all of our tile and cement board out of the kitchen and take out all of our old cabinets and then lay new floor. And then we got our cabinets installed on Friday. So now we have our new cabinets. Got to work on getting the new countertops. Uh, That's going to suck just because the countertops are probably going to take a while to come in based on current like supply chain issues and whatnot so we may be without countertops for um a few weeks like possibly a couple months which definitely is pretty rough considering uh that means that you have no kitchen sink during that time and i know i need to get a little bit more consistent about where i keep my face to microphone i know sometimes i kind of lean back and stuff like that and then it's like all of a sudden it's like oh i sound a lot softer and then i sound a lot louder so i am working on that i apologize if that's really annoying to you guys like I, you know i'm i'm very i'm still quite new at this i have definitely not dedicated enough time towards getting better at this that that i need to but okay so that's kind of uh that's that kind of stuff that's going on um and certainly, you, you know, we can talk uh, at another point. Uh, something else, you know, I've been, I've gotten myself fully caught back up on Succession, so maybe I'll try and do some su- Succession episodes. Um, talk about uh, stuff like that. So, um, that's that's definitely other stuff that I want to get into the mix on in in sort of like this content stuff. But uh, in, in other episodes, we'll talk maybe about uh, me getting back into League. Um, 
as well as uh, like crab game, been playing some of that. And, uh, and then, and then maybe, and, and then obviously definitely something on new world. Cause there is a lot of interesting stuff that's been going on there. And so I'm thinking later this week I'll record it and, and then we'll see when I'll actually get it out. Uh, but at the moment today, it's 1116. The Tarkov servers are down. They may have just come up as I'm watching landmark stream here, who is probably him and Pestily are my two favorite, um, escape from Tarkov streamers. Landmark, it's spelled L-V-N-D mark, so it's like an upside-down A, but, I mean, if you're familiar with the Tarkov community at all, you're probably familiar with Landmark, and you're probably familiar with Pestily, but those are my two favorites. I love Ginger, uh, Gingerliness, or now Gingy, as she goes by, but she's also great, and uh, Trey24K. So those are shout-outs to some streamers that I've been watching in the in the Tarkov uh, realm, they're a lot of fun. Uh, Pestily is extremely informative. Like, so Tarkov is a really, really hard game uh, compared to most games you would play, uh, in part because Tarkov is very punishing. If you die, you lose everything except for what is in your butt, um, is what is often referred to as your, you have a secure container in the game, uh, depending on what version of the game you bought, you I mean, you can get the uh, bigger versions through like play, or if you bought like a, a higher, like in a more expensive version of the beta, you also can then get access to those secure containers sooner. So, for example, I bought the Edge of Darkness edition, which is the most expensive Tarkov, uh, and that comes with it the what is it the Gamma, I think, and so that's the sec- that's the second largest container that is available. And then the largest secure container is the Kappa, which can only be uh, acquired through an in-game achievement, which this wipe is level 71. Well, I think they may have dropped it to 61 a little while back, actually. But um, otherwise, you can get like the most basic version, which gives you like the alpha uh, secure container, which only has four slots versus the Gamma, which is the second largest, which has nine slots. So obviously that does make a big deal, like the the amount of uh, slots of space that you can have in your secure container, which is items that you do not lose when you die. But the vast majority, right, all the gear you're wearing, your guns, whatever you've picked up along the way, that's all, unless it can fit in your secure container and you put it in there, it's gone when you die. You can ensure the stuff that you go into your raids with, but that's no guarantee you'll get it back because if another player kills you or or a scav finds you or something like that and they loot you and they take their your stuff and they get out of the raid with it, then you do not get it back via insurance. Uh, and so for that, it's very punishing, which can be very hard and it's very stressful uh, in that regard, especially when you're new. And so... Um, someone like Pestily, his YouTube videos are really, really good for this. They are super helpful. I mean, cause there are a lot of things like when it comes to the quests that of course you'd like to do on your own. Um, but I do recommend sometimes perhaps going to Pestily's YouTube video, or there is an escape from Tarkov wiki that can give you some insight on some of the quests. Um, because some of them are, you know, harder than others, because they may or may not put you into zones that are very hot. And then, so, when you're early in the wipe, it's not as big of a deal. Because early in the wipe, most everyone is in a fairly level playing field in terms of the items that they have available to them. 
Um, but if you start playing later into the wipe, you're going to run into some sweat lords who are going to have much, much better gear than you. And uh, ideally, you don't want to run into them because it's going to be very hard to beat them in a fight. Um, you're going to have to outplay them or get lucky with a headshot. Um, so it, it, it is rather difficult in that regard. Um, but that that is just kind of, I guess, an intro for those who have not played the game and just to specifically uh, why Pestily is a great streamer. I mean, he's very good at the game also, um, but he, he does put a lot of effort into educational content in that way. Landmark is more of just your... Uh, Landmark is, is more of just sort of your run-and-gun, like, FPS gamer. He is an excellent, excellent Tarkov player. He basically only plays it for P- PvP pers- purposes. Um, and it's a lot of fun, and you learn a lot from him as well from a fighting tactics standpoint. Uh, he is probably the best I've seen out of the streamers at utilizing what is one of the more unique aspects of the game, which is sound. Uh, Escape from Tarkov sound is an exceptionally important aspect of the game, right? Uh, and so uh, sound is is basically like most everything that you're playing off of. You're trying to hear if someone's creeping up on you, if someone's nearby, uh, what's going on. And so you can also do things to play that to your advantage. Some of the obvious things that he does that he does really well, for example, is using grenades to cover his sound. So he'll throw a grenade and then start to move when it's blowing up so that you can't tell where he's moved to. Uh, he also uses movement in faking out directions that he's running to try and bait people out of corners and things like that. Um, those are aspects that, uh, while they sound obvious, they're not as obvious, and especially in the moment when when you're kind of trying to fight it out, and and um, sometimes when you get that grip of like gear fear on, and you want to play safe, and sometimes playing safe is actually the least safe way to play the game. And so Landmark does a really excellent job of playing the game in a more run-and-gun style uh, that is much harder to play. Uh, It takes a lot more skill to play, I should say, Uh, but it is extremely effective when you can start to master that style and and also to kind of get over that gear fear of like being so afraid you're going to lose your stuff that you don't make the moves that while they may seem risky are really the better option or the better decision to be made. Um, Because the game, so there, like there is the other aspect of the game uh, that takes obviously basically no skill. Um, And that is to rat as they would say in the game. And and I apologize. I know for a lot of you who probably listen to the, or, or, you know, play Escape from Tarkov, you all know all about this stuff. I am trying to hopefully maybe increase the breadth of the audience here. Some of the people who listen to this, um, that I that I know of that listen to this, who play a lot of video games, they may not have played Escape from Tarkov, which, by the way, it's PC only. Um, just throw that out there. But, um, so, it, is um now i i like lost track because i was trying to jesus what an idiot okay let's see one second oh right ratting okay so anyways the basically the other way to play the game is essentially you just try to get into like a position that 
will lead is like a high traffic area and it basically if you can get there first you just basically sit still right there and you just wait for someone to show up and then you just try and pop the corner and kill them the moment that you hear them come or when they pop the corner you just shoot them because you basically just have your sights trained on exactly where they're going to come out of um it's a very infuriating aspect of the game. It is a part of the game. I don't think that there is anything uh, wrong with it per se, but it is it it is infuriating and it it is not fun. It it, it does take away from the fun of the game a, a lot of times. Um, I mean, a, a lot of times people may be ratting because they have quests that they need to do and they're really trying to avoid any sort of like open firefights and and i do get that we've all been there uh we've all had to do it but it there are people who just rat as a form of basically as a form of how they pvp and and that is extremely infuriating obviously um you know we can kind of talk about some of the the more the most infamous ways in which that kind of gets abused but um that obviously really doesn't take any skill and that is probably what makes it not so fun is that it can oftentimes counter that run and gun style. And it, while run and gun takes a lot of skill to do, um, you can basically just get beaten by someone who doesn't do any, like doesn't require any skill. And, and that is a frustrating aspect of the game. But I, I, I do want to point out that this is probably one of, and I have taken a bit of a hiatus from it the past couple of weeks. I, I just started playing it a little bit again, um, just because of like time, time constraints, and and it is a hard game to play if you don't have a lot of time to put into it. Like you can do stuff like in very short periods of time, but it just really sucks if, for example, let's say like maybe you only have an hour and a half or so available to play that you could spend like 10 to 15 minutes kind of gearing out, figuring out what you want to do, loading in, and then die within like five minutes of loading in. And then you're kind of, and then you can kind of end up in like this awkward space of time, like where you're just like, well, fuck, I only have like an hour and a half to play. And now like I burned like 45 minutes of it or an hour of it or 30 minutes of it. And now I'm kind of in this awkward time where it's like, am I going to try again? And it really sucks to play the game where you only do like one or two raids at a time. Uh, I mean, it's it doesn't really suck to play it that way, but it can be like, it can be frustrating because it just becomes very uh, seesaw-y. Like there is like the the strong possibility of like you just have two terrible raids back to back and there's a strong possibility of you have two great raids back to back and having the two great raids back to back is obviously great but having the two terrible ones can be quite quite frustrating and and demoralizing but anyways that is all still to say that this is one of my favorite games because this is one of the most unique games i mean this is probably the most unique game out there right now i mean there like there's a lot of complaints for how Tarkov is developed and for its flaws and whatnot. But I think it's really, really important to stay like to, to focus on the fact that there is a reason that nobody has attempted to, to make a game like this before. Um, or I guess I shouldn't say attempted, but nobody has been successful at making a game like this before. And I am personally not familiar with any games that did attempt to, to play like this okay so 
Um, yeah, for some of you who are new, you're probably like, I'm kind of scatterbraining this, but we'll kind of start here from the beginning, right? So you have, uh, two options of how to play the game, uh, in, at, at any one time. You can go in in a scav run or your PMC run, your private military contractor. It's your personal character. It is the character that you're leveling up. You're doing quests on. You can do scav runs, which are, is like a random loadout character, um, who will load into raids at a a random time in the middle of the the overall raid timer and um anything that you come out with you um you get to give to your PMC so it can be a oftentimes what scav runs are for are for like a low pressure um option for farming uh rubles which is the currency in the game well i mean there's us dollars and and euros but it all really spawns with rubles so you'll go in as a scav you'll just try and pick up random stuff on the map maybe you find some dead pmcs maybe you kill a pmc um you know whatever you're just running around trying to loot everything you can and then you're just trying to get out you sell it or you know give it you know whatever and then your PMC benefits from whatever gear or money that you acquire as a result. So then your PMC is where you, you know is where you choose your loadout, you choose your guns, you figure out what you want to do, you're doing your quests, uh, all that kind of stuff. And so that's largely the the primary aspect of the game is through playing via your PMC. Uh, that's where you would PVP on and stuff like that. So um, and your PMC. It it's it it can be uh very daunting to start, but basically there's um let's see there's customs there's reserve there's shoreline there's woods there's labs there's factory um I think I said reserve right there's uh interchange um. I think that's all of them, right? Seven maps. I could probably I could pull this up. Hold on. Um, uh, map genie Tarkov. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yes. Okay. Those seven maps. Yeah. So, um, as a new player, you're not going to go to labs. It's just not even it. It's not even like feasible. Uh, you, you, I mean, as far as what, where quests are for you to do, it's basically going to start off with customs and woods. Um, customs is probably the most overall popular map in the game and probably rightfully so. I think that customs is possibly the overall best map in the game in terms of, well, I mean, it has its flaws too. So one of it, so what happens is you choose a map. And you choose a time. So there's two timers that are constantly going in the game that are 12 hours apart. So basically, you could choose to load in to uh, a raid at either 4 a.m. or 4 p.m. And obviously, like, you know, 4 a.m. it's going to be dark out, 4 p.m. it's going to be light out. But by the end of the 4 p.m. raid, it may be dark out because uh, the various maps have various timers in which the raid runs. And, um, it's not like a one to one. It's like a one to seven ratio, I think. So, it, you know, it's like if a raid lasts an hour, that's actually seven hours of in-game time. Uh, and so some of the maps 
have a max like a raid time of like 45 minutes or 50 minutes some of them are as low as 25 or 30 so it depends on the map and it's that's largely governed by the size of the map uh and so customs and then so you load in and there's a bunch of um set spawn points and not every one of them is going to be consumed because it depends. So each map can have a maximum amount of players that load into it at one in one given raid. Uh, most of those maps, I mean, it depends, but it's somewhere typically between 10 and 14. And so uh, with the exception of Factory, which is like six. And that's because Factory is a very tight, small map. Um, but Custom's big problem is that a lot of the spawn points are very close to each other, uh, which can be a very, very frustrating aspect of the game, is if you spawn and you are right between two other spawn points where you could end up in a firefight within like 30 seconds of spawning, um, that can be, and especially depending on which spawn you're at versus where they're at, uh, they could have a significant advantage by the fact that they may be in between where you would want to go. Uh, for example, if you wanted to go to dorms and you spawned over by old military gate and then someone is spawned up by the radio tower that's only like maybe 20 seconds of travel away, they kind of have the edge because they can just basically wait for you to come to them. Those That's an aspect of, of the map that is very frustrating. Other than that, though, the map has excellent size to it um, and has excellent loot. And it has excellent areas, and it had like, and so you you spawn in, and then there are scavs that spawn on the map that are um, AI, right? They're 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 NPCs, and all of the maps also have, uh, except for labs, also have a scav boss um, that does not always spawn. It, they spawn depending on on how long or you know depending on the map but somewhere between like 28 and 33 percent of the time uh depending on the boss in the map and so those scav bosses will have scav guards around them that are more well equipped than your normal npc scav the scav bosses will also generally be more equipped with stuff those scav bosses and the scav guards have very very good gear typically pretty good ammo and so they're very high value targets but they're also much harder to kill and they're much more skilled in in fighting and will actually use tactics against you and so they can be hard to overcome in certain instances and and so they can certain they're very deadly um which is a very fun aspect of the game normal normal ai scavs at first um as you're getting used to the game, they may kind of feel like, wow, like sometimes it just feels like they just aim bot you and shoot you in the head. Um, you know, the typical rule of thumb is don't peek the same corner twice. That's true for playing against players and scavs. Uh, certainly players know how to hold corners. So if you've peeked a corner and you didn't, and you didn't, let's say you got shot, but you didn't get killed. You do not want to peek that corner again because guaranteed that player is just waiting to shoot you in the head that time. Um, but anyways, with the scavs, after a little bit of gameplay, you get pretty used to their AI and how to kill them very, very easily. So it's very rare at this point. Uh, I can't tell you the last time I died to a scav. So, and I apologize, <clears throat> by the way, to, to everyone who is listening and hopefully you have read in the description of the show episode because I am I, I did put a 
uh, timestamp in there for like when, if you are familiar with Tarkov, when you could start listening, because when we'll actually kind of talk about uh, the current state of the game, things like that. Uh, obviously, this has all been intro for people who are not familiar with the game, who maybe are interested in trying it out, seeing what they think. And also apologies if my description of the game is terrible. Uh, I probably could have done a little bit more prep before I tried to explain the game, but I'm just kind of doing this off the top of my head. So anyway, so that that kind of explains uh, those interactions. And so, yeah, so there's scavs on all the maps and then there's also PMCs. And I mean, you could run into PMCs, you could not. More often than not, you'll run into them at some point or another, but they can be lurking, they could be trying to run and gun, whatever. And so the goal is then that once you're in the map, is to, I, I mean, really do whatever you want, right? You may be trying to complete a quest. You may be just trying to get loot. You may be trying to PvP, uh, whatever. And then to successfully, uh, to, to consider it a successful raid, I guess, generally speaking, what, in, I mean, depending on what your definition of successful is, I guess, is to extract at the end, which means that your PMC survived the raid, which means you get all the gear that you, um, that you acquired during the raid, uh, you would get more experience because your your PMC levels up, and that's one aspect of the game that um, can make it sort of difficult, right? Is because your PMC does have skills that level up that do impact like um, some combat skills and some survival skills. So someone who is higher level sort of has an innate uh, advantage against someone who is lower level beyond the gear their character also has some skill advantages that are helpful um they're i would say that they're largely pretty marginal um but they can they can definitely make a difference uh it, within a fight and so then you've got like i said there your seven maps right and so customs uh obviously have its issues but it's like probably the most um, I guess noob friendly map and also one of the overall like most balanced maps outside of the spawns. Uh, Woods is also a very sort of noob friendly map, but it is large and not a lot of players play on it. Basically, for the most part, the only time you find PMCs is either that they're um, hunting for, well, not hunting for, I guess, because he only spawns in one location, but uh, Sturman, the scav boss on Woods. They're trying to farm him, or they're trying to do quests, in which case if they're trying to do quests, more than likely they're trying to avoid any other PMCs. So uh, Woods doesn't tend to have a lot of action, but Woods actually has low-key some of the most valuable loot, um, because once you get to um, level 20 in the game, well, I think they changed it now to 15, and like in previous wipes it was like 10 and stuff like that, but once you get, at least when I was... Um, at the start of this wipe, when you got to level 20, you got access to the flea market, which is essentially sort of like an open sort of, um, for those of you who played World of Warcraft auction house, or those of you who played New World, like, um, trading post, um, what other games have this that I can think of off the top of my head? I, I don't know. But so the idea is right that you can, ex like, it's a, it's a market in which players can exchange goods for money or, uh, make sort of like barter trades. Um, so anyways, I mean, you can sell stuff to the NPC vendors, but in certain cases, there are certain things that are much more valuable to players than to those vendors. Um, one of which, for example, as a good example is sugar. Uh, sugar is one of the most per slot valuable items in the game. Um, it, I mean, 
as far as like common items go, because really graph, I think graphics cards are probably the most valuable per slot item because they only take two slots and they're worth roughly a million rubles right now. Uh, but sugar is usually somewhere in the 60 to 70,000 rubles range and it's one slot of inventory. Um, so uh, sugar is extremely valuable. There's a ton of it on woods. Um, there's also a decent amount of moonshine on woods, which is like a two slot item that it's roughly like 222 ish thousand rubles, things like that. So there's, there's a lot of valuable items to be found on woods, uh, and not a lot of players, which means that there, you know, there's quite the surplus of value out there. Um, uh, woods also has one woods and customs actually both have, uh, the one unique aspect of them too, is that during nighttime, uh, between like 10 PM and 6 AM, uh, cultists have like a 30%, like a 30% chance roughly of spawning cultists are fucking intense. Okay. Like they're, they're sim similar to, um, like, uh, what I was talking about scav bosses and their raiders where they're like, uh, sh like a better AI and all those kinds of things. Same kind of thing, except for cultists all have like the best gear in the game for the most part. Like the, a lot of them will have like slicks and hex grids, which are two of the best armors in the game. They'll have like good helmets. They'll have really good gear and they'll have some of the best ammo in the game. Ammo being one of the more important things in the game, which when we get into like the general state of the game discussion, we'll kind of get back into a little bit. But um, so cultists also have the unique aspect of in the game, uh, there is night vision, um, but they do not like give off like um, they don't have like the same sort of uh outline i guess you would say like on night vision that um like a normal player would well i mean i guess they kind of do but the main thing also is that uh there is thermal scopes in escape from tarkov and they do not show up on thermal scopes they're like cold-blooded so it's like they they can be very and they're they're always hiding like behind trees and shit and in the in the, in the uh bushes and basically what will happen is the cultist priest once like you've aggroed them which can happen from relatively far away they will um they will like silently hunt you uh until they can get close enough at which point like once they get close to you all of a sudden they'll just start sprinting at you like and so it's like you'll be in like the middle of the darkness or if you have um night vision obviously not quite as much of the middle of the darkness but like they'll get like close to you and then all of a sudden, just you hear like out of nowhere, like sprinting through the bushes at you, and like you'll just turn around, and he just tries to stab you with his poison knife. Um, and if you kill him, which it's relatively easy to kill him, because obviously he just starts at a certain point, he starts sprinting at you. Uh, the moment you kill him, all of his cultist followers will just start unloading on you from the from the trees, which is pretty jarring and can be pretty hard to do to deal with on customs it's a little bit easier because they're in an area that's a lot more open but in the woods it's really hard because they are like very well concealed um so that's those two maps um next you've got like uh let's see um shoreline i guess i, I would say 
Uh, next, let's see, Mancini. Yeah, Shore, Shoreline is sort of like, I guess the next map, Shoreline or Reserve, I guess maybe, are the two sort of next maps. Well, Factory, I guess, kind of gets in there early. Factory, there's not a whole lot to say. It's a very small map. It's kind of meant for like this, like run, like this hyper fast run and gun um, PvP action. There's a bunch of quests that are on the map. Uh, so a lot of times people will just basically try and sprint in, do their quest and get out. There's a lot of scavs and there's Tagila, the scav boss who is, uh, has a unique, uh, armor that is really strong. One of the better, um, um, armored rigs in the game, uh, because so there's armor and then there's rigs. So it's like you, and then there's armored rigs. So you have a rig sp- slot and an armor slot. Um, but you could have an armored rig, which then only takes up your armor and rigs, or it, which takes up your rig slot, but you can't put on armor underneath it. Um, he's got an armored rig, very good, like very good item. Uh, his helmet is also quite strong, very high level helmet. And then he uniquely uses a sledgehammer when he's close to you, and it fucks you up. Um, and so he. And, and he'll sort of, like, ambush you and stuff, and most of Factory's pretty tight quarters, so it, it's... And he'll just sprint at you. It, it can be pretty alarming. Um, Shoreline, there's kind of a map similar to Woods in which it's very large, and there's a lot of wooded area and whatnot. There's not a ton that goes on. Actually, Shoreline also does have cultists, I should say, for... I mean, if, if you're listening and you know the game, you're probably like, oh, fucking idiot, Shoreline. Yeah, Shoreline also does have cultists, very i've never actually seen them on shoreline and i don't know anybody who ever actively looks for cultists on shoreline um but in the center of shoreline is the health resort uh which is kind of like a heavy pvp area it's what you would think it's sort of like a it's a big like a hotel type of complex um that or like yeah like hotel type of complex that um is got a lot of items a lot of good high value items it also is one of the locations where the scav boss on the map sanitar and his cronies can spawn they can spawn in a couple different spots that are pretty like spread across the map um but shoreline does uh kind of have this mix of like woods and factory almost in which like it's got this open area where you could easily run into nobody and then there's the uh, resort which is very factory-esque where it's largely pretty tight quarters and a lot of pvp uh decent amount of quests on that map as well interchange is in my opinion the best like so it, it's not the best map in the game because it has some lighting issues but i would say it may be the best map in the game in my opinion so it it's also one of the most infuriating maps, but it the map is basically there's a decent portion of it that's outside, but the the like grand majority of the map is a mall. Uh, there's a parking lot underneath. There's the first floor and the second floor, but it's this giant ass mall with a ton of shops and all that stuff. And so it's dark, uh, but the light like there are lights in it, but like the light the way that the lighting works out, it's just it sometimes it looks wonky and you can miss people there are like you can kind of abuse certain corners and stuff like that to just sit in and people really won't be able to see you um and so you can get like a free jump on them 
There is also the boss, uh, the scab boss, which uh, during this wipe, they adjusted um, in Killa, who is hyper aggressive, has really good level five armor and like a level five helmet, right? The Killa mask, I think it's five, maybe it's six. Um, and he'll you pretty much always use um, an RPK with a drum mag and a bunch of grenades. And he will just, the moment he aggroes to you, he will just go hyper aggressive and charge you push you out with grenades and basically just run you down with bullets um he uh originally basically only spawned in this one corridor of the mall and people were farming him too much because even though he has like a level five helmet uh you could just use like a vepper hunter with f61 ammo and one shot him through the helmet and so people would basically run in with no armor, no no gear other than the Vepper Hunter. And then they would just sprint into that one location. And if he was there, headshot him, kill him, take all of his stuff and leave. Um, obviously, that was a very annoying tactic. And so um, Battlestate Games adjusted it so he has like a dynamic spawn and that he'll wander the mall. So he could spawn in pretty much anywhere in the mall just about. And even in the parking lot. And so that made it so that it wasn't quite so easy to just farm him. Uh, So, but I just think the layout of the mall makes for the most interesting PvP scenarios. I think it makes for a lot of fun. Um, I, I think that it is probably one of the maps that's more like... I I don't... I, I don't know how else to say it other than like it's Call of Duty-esque, I guess. Like it just feels like a map that's more like a map you would play in like Counter-Strike or Call of Duty when it comes to like a PvP standpoint. Uh, and so in that way, I think it's just a really well-designed map that like makes for fun PvP and fun interactions. It also has a lot of high value um, loot on the map. But then there is Reserve. Reserve is a um is also a very cool map it's an army base uh there's a bunch of different buildings with a lot of good loot in it it's kind of like this army base campus along with like this train station and uh the map has gluhar and his boys who can can spawn there that's the scav boss on the map they can either spawn at the train station they can spawn near the dorms or underneath the dorms in or like the yeah like i call them the dorms but um like near the uh, dorms that are on top of the bunker. And so really sort of like the primary component, I mean, the map is massive and like actually the bunker is a very small portion of the map, but it's probably the most significant portion of the map because it is largely where most of the people charge to. There's a lot of quests down there. There are a separate group of raiders that can spawn down there uh, beyond just uh, Gluhar and his boys. And so... A lot of people tend to head towards the bunker. Uh, the bunker is can can lead for some fun PvP. Can also lead for some really frustrating moments where people just rat in corners because the it's another spot where the lighting isn't very good, and because there are some spawns that are super super close, and one spawn that's actually even in the bunker, um, people can get into the bunker really quickly. And then you're basically just like running in blind into this bunker where there's a lot of corners you can turn and just basically get instantly shot in the face. 
However, the PvP is still fun, and what does make it what kind of does help make it dynamic is that there are like six buildings that you can go into that lead down into the bunker. And so uh, there are a lot of angles you could come from. So it does make like camping any one location hard, except that there is one, there is an extract down there called D2, in which once you've turned on power, you can go run through uh, these corridors until you eventually like a bunch of different corridors. Like it, it's probably like a five minute run almost of like through stuff. I mean, it's more like a two minute run, but when you're checking through everything, it's probably like five minutes. And at the end, there's a door you can open and that's the extract. Well, one part of the corridor is super dark be- and like has a bad lighting situation because there's like this floodlight that points at where you come from. Well, what happens then is that floodlight kind of blinds you so you can't see in the room very well and someone can camp facing that location they're not blinded by the floodlight so they have basically perfect vision of you and you can't see them and so what a lot of people do is they uh are called d2 campers and all they're doing is they sit in this one big room this big dark room in which you're kind of blinded when you look into it and they'll just sit there and the moment you pop the corner they'll just kill you and then they'll just take your stuff and leave and they'll literally spend the entire raid they'll just run right to there and that's what they'll do so uh it's incredibly infuriating to to say the least it's one of the most obnoxious uh aspects of the game it is probably the single most infuriating aspect of the game when it comes to uh the uh ratting technique it's a very bullshit and 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 in my opinion is completely an unbelievably horribly abused tactic that like simply kind of ruins the map i I mean because then basically the only option for most people is you need to get the red rebel melee item which is pretty expensive to get um Or you have to get, like, unbelievably lucky because there's, like, one location it can spawn in at an extremely low, uh, well, technically two locations it can spawn in in customs with extremely, extremely low spawn rates. So it's highly unlikely you would ever actually uh, get it, Uh, although some people obviously do. But so it costs a couple million rubles uh, to either buy off the flea market or to buy the components that trade in for it. And so... Then you you can do that, and then if you if you don't wear an armor, like you wear an armored rig, or if you're wearing an armor and you have room in your backpack to take it off, you can take the uh, cliff descent extract, which is kind of not too far outside of the uh, bunker area. And that's basically your two options when you're going to take that 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 route in reserve, because uh, otherwise you basically have to run all the way across the map. And that obviously has its own issues because there are people who will be sniping from various locations on the map. And if you're already geared, you've got a bunch of stuff, you're probably overweight, you're moving a little bit slower, you can't run, you can't run as long. And so uh, that that significantly impacts it. And so then, of course, someone can just end up sniping you out. So uh, that basically leaves you to one realistic extract, which is, I mean, it is realistic, but it, it is a pain in the ass because it, it does require an item that is um, not super easy to get. So 
that's why I reserve, I mean, until D2 camping gets fixed, which I think they could fix by just fixing the lighting in there, because basically the only tactic you can take in D2 is if you're going to go there, is you basically need to prepare a grenade and immediately just pop the corner, throw the grenade, and then pop the corner and throw another grenade in another location, and basically probably do that three times and basically three separate throws and into like three separate locations, and that should force them to move if they are camping there. Otherwise, they're going to die, and then um, and then you have a chance because then you can hear them, and you can get an idea of roughly where they are, and then you can pop on your flashlight and try and kill them. Um, but if you just turn that corner without popping grenade, but you obviously, if you make the wrong guess, if they're lo- camping in one of the locations you didn't throw that grenade to, they can, during that time frame, potentially kill you in the middle of your grenade throw. So... It, it is still like a high risk thing and it really ruins the map. The final map is Labs. Uh, Labs is a really cool map. It requires a key card that costs a couple hundred thousand rubles to get into. Um, there is a lot of good loot in the map. There are raiders. It's one of the only ma- it's the only map that does not have a scav boss. Um, but it has raiders that are guaranteed to spawn depending uh i mean it's guaranteed to spawn no matter what it's just like when you push certain buttons that's when they spawn but they will spawn for sure um it is a map that typically uh people go in with very good gear because they have to fight a lot of raiders uh and obviously they'll have to fight pmcs who have the wherewithal to go there it means they're probably geared out but the problem is and this is this is probably right around where i would say that we're getting into the territory of state of the current game and things like that. And so uh, welcome to all of you who are skipping to this point uh, that the problem with labs is that obviously because there's all this really good high value loot and there's all these players who come in with high value gear is that it is where all of the hackers go. I mean, you will run into hackers and in other maps and whatnot, but uh, labs is the most prominent place for hackers uh probably the second highest place is interchange uh and again that's because of the high value uh, items on the map and the high value gear that people will often spawn in with so the problem uh, obviously with labs is and it's why i've only run it a couple of times this uh this i mean this wipe was my first wipe so also like it's a hard map that is a money sink It, it is not worth the money if you can't um extract at like a 60 percent rate or so because of how how expensive a gear you typically go in with on top of the cost of the card i mean you can get the cards in other ways to save yourself the money there but still um in the grand scheme of things two hundred thousand rubles is the least of the issue i mean you'll often go into there with a loadout that's costing you nearly a million rubles um so <laughs> that is the biggest issue uh that that occurs and so labs became a dead map eventually basically because nobody was willing to go to labs just to spawn in and then instantly get headshot from across the map and it's like i don't mean like oh it's just a spawn where someone can i mean like they'll basically just shoot you in the head through all the walls and floors in the map and kill you and then they'll walk over and come and take your shit and they'll kill everybody else in the map within like 10 seconds and then they'll just insta headshot all the raiders and they'll come out and they'll just leave with all of the gear um that they can possibly carry so obviously it's huge bullshit um battle state games has done a lot to fight cheaters there are aspects of the game that are incredible like of the cheating that is 
becoming more and more difficult. One of the biggest things is that um, hardware banning is very difficult to do because uh, more sophisticated hackers can spoof hardware, which basically means you can uh, you could ban someone like based on like the ID of their processor or GPU, um, basically being able to access that information, but you can also spoof that information so that they can ban it, but that's actually not the real ID behind your hardware, and therefore you can uh, just move along. Uh, same thing goes with your IP address, uh, things like that. So a lot of these people, they spoof their equipment, and that way, like, which is, you know, it's kind of like a VPN, basically, and so that way they can just get away with it and what happens and even if even if they get banned is they buy the cheapest account which is like 20 bucks or something like that and then they get banned but they're making more money in like because the problem is real money real money trading so what happens is like these hackers will either get paid to run people through maps so like someone might pay a hacker to run them through labs the hacker will just headshot everybody on the map the person who paid them can take all of the loot that they like they can leave and boom, like maybe that hacker makes like 10 bucks or 15 bucks off of that or however much, but they could, they could easily end up running that a couple of like, you know, 40, 50 times a day if they really wanted to, um, and make a whole lot of money and make way more than the $20 they spent on the account. Right. So it, it easily works itself out. They can also do things where they go in and, and basically, um, you can buy money from them by, you know, like they may take you into a map that's super secluded and they'll drop a bunch of gear and money for you. And like they may do that over and over because the one way that Battlestate Games tried to uh, tried tried to sort of hinder this is that you can only take something like 250,000 rubles into a raid with you. But of course, that's there's ways around that. Of course, they can bring in um, things that sell well to traders um they can bring in like high value gear that you may want things like that and so they they can show up with you know millions and millions of rubles worth of gear and give it to you that way and so on and so forth right so they can make more money than they're losing by having to continuously buy accounts which means that it remains profitable and that doesn't matter how many times they get banned okay so you know, you can keep banning these accounts. And so Battlestate Games, I understand, is trying. Battlestate Games also not that, like, big of a company. They have made a lot of money off of Escape from Tarkov, which also, by the way, remember, is a beta. Uh, it has been in beta a long time, okay? I get it. People want to make that argument. But it is a beta, and it is a game that does not have that many employees at the company. You think about, for example, Call of Duty has hacker problems. Call of Duty is made by a team of thou like thousands of people. You know, I mean, Call of Duty has way more money and way more resources behind it, and it also can't really get past the hack the hacking problem. I think that Call of Duty just recently actually um like I guess got licensing for Vanguard, which is what Valorant uses and seems to work well. I mean at least I don't know about it in Call of Duty, but I know that in uh, Valorant that I couldn't tell you when I the last time I ran into a hacker because um, it, it Vanguard seems to work really well and and part of the like, pros and cons of Vanguard is it is a separate software that you download like um, 
a separate program that you download onto your computer. And so you cannot really spoof. Um, there's not really a way of spoofing behind it because it is on your computer. And so it will basically take care of banning you and making sure that you are actually banned. And um, the game will not let you play it if you don't have Vanguard downloaded. And so that's been the solution for Valorant that seems to be working. Um, so I don't, I, I have not seen reports on how that has helped with Call of Duty. Uh, I do wonder if at some point Tarkov is going to have to consider the same thing. Uh, because obviously the, them handling it internally is not enough. And so I think that they will have to look for an external source uh, to basically pay for some sort of licensing to use that product. So I overall, I, I mean, yeah, the, the, from the hacking standpoint, I think like the game has its problems. I think that hacking doesn't happen quite as often as people like to say, but it does happen um, pretty like relatively often. And um, one of the aspects of the game that it that where Vanguard could come in handy and that um, Battlestate games basically would never be able to hack is that there are programs that can run that basically act as an overlay to the game. So it is not actually like a um, wall hack in the way that wall hacks have traditionally worked. Um, it is like a game, it is like a overlay. So because like lighting is a thing in the game that, that impacts your ability to see stuff, you, you can find like things through small corners. This overlay basically like blares any like players or anything like that. So even if they're in dark corners or like anything like that, you would be able to see them perfectly. That is obviously an enormous advantage. Um, that is of course a cheat. And so that is something where that's a separate program that is running that is not actually impacting the game specifically. Like it is not touching the code of the game. It's basically using your screen and it is monitoring the graphics on your screen and then blowing up those um, the, like through sort of like through AI, knowing when it's seeing like a player or like a, a uh, human body type of um, model and then making sure that it it then sort of overlays a light onto them essentially so that it's very clear that you can see them. So that is obviously one way in, in cheating in which there's uh, not much Battlestate can do because that's a separate software that is not actually touching the game in any way. It is actually literally using the graphics on your monitor to do that. So that's a difficult thing, but Vanguard is something that could um, stop could inhibit that because Vanguard could be set up to stop programs like that from operating at the time of the game. So um, that being said, I think one of the biggest issues that comes into, so um, as, as those of you who obviously play know the game wipes every, every once in a while um, at six months to a year. I don't, I don't know exactly how often it's kind of depends on like when they're making big changes and whatnot. And uh, when that happens, uh, you, you know, it sets everybody back to what they started the game with, which, you know, like you start out with a bunch of decent stuff, but of course you're the, like everything that you had is much more valuable and whatnot. The idea being is they do that when there are like big changes to the game, because obviously this is still a beta. And so there are big things that they want to test. You want to try out and which means you kind of have to restart the game to 
play it from the beginning to see if those changes kind of made through when it comes to like quests and leveling and gear and all those types of things, right? So once you get late into the wipe and and most and many of the players have essentially soft beaten the game because there's no like actually beating the game, but you can essentially get to the point where you have access to all the best gear and all the best we- you know weapons and uh, ammo and and basically you reach a point of essentially having unlimited funds. Um, the game becomes very uh, linear in that there is an obvious best bullet in the game uh, or an obvious couple sets of best bullets, a couple of best guns that specifically are best with those bullets. There's best armor, but armor, like eventually the problem is, is that armor eventually doesn't matter because bullets are better than armor. And so um, late in the game, helmets don't matter because they won't stop the bullets that people are using. So it's not there's basically no point in using a helmet except for to get a ricochet, which you could just get a helmet that's essentially like a one armor or two armor class helmet. So obviously it won't stop basically any bullets. And then you're basically just banking on it getting a ricochet to save your life. Um so there's basically no point in using any of like the high armor class helmets because it won't stop any of the good bullets in the game, like 76239BP or M61, um, to name a couple of bullets that are are the most popular. And so though like the problem becomes then and then even from a body armor standpoint, 762BP rips through basically everything except for like level six and level and level five armor. And, and even then, it rips through it good enough. Like, it's only going to save you a couple of bullets and damage. And so it, it it barely makes a difference from using level 4 armor. So then it sort of disincentivizes the idea of, like, what's the point of spending all the money on, on the highest level armor if it's not actually going to do anything for you? Um, and then it becomes like, well, what's the fun if, like, basically the most meta guns are going to give you such a significant advantage over other guns in the game and other ammo in the game because there's tons of different types of ammo in the game. But, of course, it's like, why use some of it? Because, for example, 7.62 by 39 BP, which is probably the overall best bullet in the game, is also really easy to acquire. uh, And so it's pretty cheap. It's cheaper than a lot of ammos that are worse than it, significantly. So it's like... You know, why it becomes like the only reason you would use like anything worse is basically just for fun, which is fine, except for like you're going to run into frustrating times where you basically lose just because you chose a not meta um, item. And, and this isn't meta in the same way that you might use the term meta in like League of Legends, where there is a way to work around the meta, right? In, in League of Legends, like whatever is meta isn't actually like meta necessarily, right? Because they're all it means is it's the most accepted strategy, but there is room for another strategy to beat it. But in this, it's just that gun has a better fire rate with a better uh, measure of accuracy and can utilize the best bullet in the game. And boom, it is the most you know effective gun by far. So that like the only sort of strategy that is then essentially exists if you're not going to use the best gear or don't have access to it is ratting. Or leg meta, which is a, a, nor, a also an obnoxious thing, where basically you just use flesh rounds, so bullets that have no penetration and like maximum damage, 
uh, or shotguns that a same thing where it's just like no penetration, maximum damage, and you just blow people's legs out to kill them. It, which is also obviously what's the point of armor <laughs> if they're just going to shoot you in the legs because there's no leg armor. And so it, it, it's also a frustrating strategy, especially because some shotguns with certain shells will one shot you to the legs. So it's just like, well, okay, that was fun. A lot of, you know, a lot of counterplay there. Um, and then, I, I mean, obviously there's always the aspect of the game of headshots. And so it's like, headshots are obviously always one shot kills as long as your helmet doesn't stop the bullet or um, ricochet the bullet. <clears throat> and which is, I, I mean, obviously is realistic, but the problem becomes is that like, I mean, you can get randomly headshot by someone who just gets a lucky spray around or, you know, whatever. I mean, there's times where it's like, you'll get shot in the leg twice and then shot in the head. Like just because the way that their bullet, like their gun sprayed and their bullet spray happened to occur on top of that. Um, it's just like, Oh, okay. Like I'm just dead. Right. And, and it's kind of like, even if I was doing everything right, even no matter what it's just, and so that I guess in a way is the great equalizer, but obviously also can be very obnoxious. Cause it's just like, it, it's not exactly a measure of skill. I mean, of course, if you can headshot at a rate higher than most people, that is a skill. But getting killed by lucky headshots just, con you know, continue because you're always going to get killed by lucky headshots more than you're going to, uh, you know, get lucky headshots because you're it's, you know, your level of uh, luck, if you will, versus the luck of the entire player base. Um, and so those those aspects of the game can be very frustrating which then the only basically the answer to that is high armor helmets with face shields which then you can't use a headset which does impact your ability to hear which can be frustrating and it also affects your vision and your ability to turn your character um and then along with the fact that if someone's using bad armor or like a flesh round in which that'll obviously still kill you uh or if they're using you know worse ammo and like you know like flesh rounds or just like mid-tier ammo if they shoot you in the face you're dead but if you have the uh obviously if you have the face shield you can stop that which is great right except for the fact then if you run into the guy who's got the 762 bp who's got a 50 percent chance of penning your face shield on the first bullet well then we're back to square one right and so it just kind of like armor always loses to ammo Ammo is king in the game. Uh, like, yes, there are, like, the gun itself can't, like, does make some of a difference. Like, for example, the Mutant is just, like, the best gun in the game because it uses 762 by 39 It has a good measure of accuracy. Its ability to be customized um, to increase its accuracy and whatnot is uh, second to basically none. And so, and so it, it essentially allows it to utilize the best bullet the best but basically any of the guns that use 762 by 39 are better than basically any of the other guns or something that uses m61 also has the advantage of m61 will uh pen through everything so it's a one-shot kill to the head no matter what you're wearing uh unless it ricochets and it's a one or two shot um i think it might be a two-shot kill to the chest no matter what you're wearing so again like it's one of those things where it's just like oh okay my fuck me i guess right and so um <clears throat> armor always loses bullets are king um 
and so uh eight and m855a1 also is like another bullet where at least with m61 and 855a1 there's enough scarcity where it is expensive um and and m995 is also up there too i guess and and like the m855a1 and m995 is for the m4s which also have a lot of good customization options um that are overall pretty cheap so you can actually get the guns pretty cheap on top of that so it kind of levels out a little bit because the mutant is a more expensive gun on its face and then all the mods and whatnot it it does add up in that way so point being is obviously the state of the game does seem to always boil down to the better bullet wins um and armor is essentially meaningless it's kind of an unfortunate aspect it feel like and that's one of the things where it's unfortunate because of the fact that the game does really try to be realistic uh to such an extent in 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 a way that's really really impressive i should say like its level of realism is excellent um but this is the downfalls of like the realism of this stuff is that it's not as fun from a gaming standpoint right i mean of course getting like in real life i mean basically yeah if you're kind of screwed like with level five armor which isn't like exactly isn't really even exactly a thing. I don't I don't think I think level four like is is actually really the highest. But level five armor like or level four armor. I, I mean most things it's like two shots to the chest and and you're probably toast because basically all level four armor for the as far as I know is ceramic, which means it really can only take one bullet and then you're kind of screwed. I mean so. Uh, you know, and then obviously if you get shot in the face, I mean, you're dead at like whatever, 99.9% of the time. And I, I don't, I feel like there are like rare, some unbelievably rare cases where someone survives getting shot in the face, but you're basically, you're toast. Um, but obviously that does make for a little bit more frustrating playing experience when you're playing a game. And so this is where uh, it's kind of like, you love how realistic the game is, but I think there does have to be some discretion on how realistic do you really want it to be before realism impacts the playing experience. And so I am interested to see how they kind of um, affect that moving forward. Um, some other exciting things about the game, though, right, is that they rolled out uh, Unity 2019 recently so that should uh increase the like playing experience of the game it should be cleaner i think it should lead to an improvement when it comes to reduction of hacking um and i think that also it um should it, it also allows for the rollout which i believe just happened the other day uh or today or yesterday of dlss uh the deep learning uh what deep learning super sampling is that what it is called it's a it's an nvidia feature for um nvidia cards but it allows for um basically uh the your card to run more efficiently at the same resolution because basically what it does is it your card actually runs the game at a lower resolution and then sort of um projects it into the higher resolution it's it's a it's a crazy thing uh, I that I, I don't think we need to get totally into here, but basically, yeah, it allows your card to effectively run the game at a lower resolution while you you actually play it in the same resolution you were playing it. Um, and then Lighthouse is supposed to come out um, by the end of the year. 
it's unclear on whether a wipe is going to occur along with White House if light with Lighthouse or if Lighthouse will come out a little bit before the wipe. How that's going to work? That's obviously been interesting. Uh, the one thing that I do give a lot of credit to Battlestate Games on is that Nikita, who's like their head developer, um, who's just like this crazy Russian dude who loves guns, um, is very open about like about the state of the game. He does interact a lot with um, the popular streamers and whatnot of the game. So he does get himself out there quite a bit to really like answer questions, take heat when streamers complain about shit. I, I mean, he he is very like public facing in that way. And so I give him a lot of props for that because of course, a game that has such an impassioned fan base like this does also come with it. The fact that those impassioned fans are sometimes not going to be so nice and same with those streamers but i think he does take that stuff all quite well and i think that he um overall i think he does a good job of that showing that they are really trying to um continue to improve the game and create an an overall great product so uh that's i i guess probably where we'll close off from here I appreciate y'all tuning in. I know this is uh, a bit long, and for some of you, probably you only skipped up until the point where we really started to talk about current state of the game, and I know maybe if I didn't get as much stuff in there, but I wanted to at least get this intro episode in there for those who are not familiar with the game so that they can maybe consider checking it out, because I think that it would be good to continue to grow the game. And um, and so from any future episodes about Tarkov, we'll basically go off the assumption that you know the game. Um, and if you don't, you know, I'll kind of point to this episode as like, if you're not familiar with the game, you may want to listen to this episode first type of thing. Um, so appreciate y'all for tuning in and peace out.